Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Craft of the Draft podcast. It's a, a pretty big week of football that has just passed. A few representative games, a big game for the girls on the weekend as well. As usual, I'm one of your co-hosts, Nathan Seppi, joined once again by my other co-host, Jonty Ralph-Smith. Jonty, big weekend in the football scene. Good weekend uh, for the Australian cricket team, as you're very into, as most Australians are. So how was your weekend? Probably would have been topped off by last night as well. Yeah, no, certainly it was a uh, great, a great finish from Pat Cummins. But from a from a footy perspective, yeah, uh, the AFLW Academy girls took on the under twenty three All Stars, and we got to see some really good talent and and who would stand up in the pressure moments, playing on Marvel Stadium and playing against the best of the best. And we will get to that a little bit later. That'll be our second talking point. But we'll start off by talking about Vic Country against South Australia and Vic Country burst out of the blocks with three goals inside ten minutes, all to Probable number one, um, probable number one pick Harley Reid, and then after that it felt like South Australia probably dictated terms. With obviously we know that the country have you know difficulty with the geography and that sort of thing, so perhaps a lack of synergy there. Their tall defenders they were probably a little bit light on for as well, with some halfbacks having to play roles on taller opponents. But there were still plenty of Victorians that stood up. So I'll throw it to you, Nathan, who. From your perspective, did you think performed really strongly and, and boosted their draft prospects? Yeah, well, so I was one that was, I was not, I didn't think any player really had a full four-quarter performance. There was definitely like aspects that, you know, of performances that were good from some players like yep. Cooper Simpson before he got injured. We yep, probably agreed call. that, yeah, we, we agreed he was the most efficient player on the ground probably during his time on the ground I don't really think he had a bad bad patch of the game uh, it was it's a really tough one to call because I really wasn't that like impressed with a lot of performances I'd like Harry DiMatteo was probably had a really strong period in that sort of second third quarter that where he was efficient with ball in hand but he also had a period where he was pretty ineffective so yeah. And that was actually that's that was a common theme with a lot of the Dandenong boys, Billy Wilson as well. They know how to get the ball, and you know most of the time they use it very well, but they also can be very inefficient with it, and that probably showed at times. So that it was very hit or miss for a lot of boys. Uh, George Stevens was one that personally, I'm getting this feeling that it's a it's very similar to what I saw with Will Ashcroft last year, where they know how to get the ball quite a lot, and they. They're great at what they do in their position, but the kicking is a lot of hack kicks, which I just don't think is a great asset. And I wouldn't think it's going to be a great thing to have in an AFL environment. But he used the ball pretty well. Like we talk about his strength in the contest, terrific. But it was his uh, kicking I thought was, you know, you don't miss at times. I just don't like the hack kick yeah, in general. Yeah, I can understand that. And I think there were quite a few, like you say, a few players in general, you mentioned a couple of Dandenong boys who lack some polish, which would have really rounded out their games. He was certainly one of those. I still think there were times where he was dangerous on the outside when he got it, um, more so than usual, because we do know how strong he is inside. The way he's built really lends itself to that, given given his frame against players his age. And, yeah, you, you touch on Cooper Simpson. He suffered a bad corky, but, yeah, luckily it was nothing more serious because it did look like he hobbled off 
um, quite seriously in the second quarter. We didn't see him in the second half. I think the the player that was best on from my perspective was probably Kobe Ship. I was really glad to see him, a, a Beaconsfield junior, really show what he's capable of. We know he's a very good intercept defender and, and provides a little bit of dash off half back, and that's his preferred position. He went back there in the fourth quarter and was very instinctive, but it was on the wing where I thought he played his best footy throughout the game. He got a lot of the footy and and made really good decisions going forward. Again, there were probably a few turnovers and he didn't didn't have that finishing polish at times, but he probably did more than a lot of his teammates. So it was good to see him boost his stocks because he probably did need one of those games and, and carried the form over that he has shown for Dandenong in the first month or so of the Talent League season. In a, in a position that has probably just been introduced to him this year. Well, actually, one as well I'll, I'll touch on that I thought was really good that I forgot the first time. Darcy Wilson, I thought, played a very, very yeah. good game. Um, Murray Bushranger's boy, I mean, he's been in terrific form and probably didn't have as much impact in the second half as he did the first half, but his, his pressure inside forward 50 was getting, he was getting the reward for his effort. Um, I think he got on the scoreboard. I'm pretty sure he kicked the goal. Two goals, I think. Two yeah. goals. So, yeah, he was very prominent. Yeah, his tackling pressure just stood out. And even just his run along sort of the boundary, he got himself in good workable positions and did all the right things. Yeah, quite a second half. But, um, you, you know, you can't you can't fault that effort. It was just a very consistent game. And his, his you know, his stocks are going way up. I think he's just one you've got to keep a watch out for at the moment because it's not really putting a foot wrong. Another forward I might bring up, Lockie Charlson. Bit of a quieter game, but he did get on the scoreboard. And that's as you know, that's all you need to do sometimes. You might be a bit quieter. But that, you know, small forwards tend to not always have the most disposal stacking game. But no, he did get on the scoreboard a bit quieter. Yeah, those were probably two others that I thought. Yeah. And, and, and yeah. I if I remember right, I think he also set up. Harley Reid for one of those first three goals of the game as well. So he did take his opportunities. Yep. He was dangerous with ball in hand when it was in his vicinity. I, I liked Cade Delarue's game. Didn't yep. have a heap of the footy, but we know his cleanliness always stands out. He watched the Dandenong Stingrays, and he was like that again at Icon Park. He set up George Stevens for a goal in the third quarter, third quarter with a low darting ball, and then the last quarter was able to round off his game with the goals. So... He played, he played uh, on the wing, he played off half forward a little bit. Um, and, yeah, I thought without getting a heap of disposal, he was probably another one. Harry DiMatteo, I know you talked about, I thought his speed and acceleration was really eye-catching. So I really like that. And he seems to always get first hands on the ball, got three centre clearances, six or seven clearances in total. But, yeah, just if he could just round off his game with hitting those targets, we know he's got a very very low penetrating kick if he could find targets with those more often and, and be able to hit his kicks at full tilt which is a difficult skill to master then that would see him go from probably a, a second round prospect or thereabouts to to the next level I think I think that aspect's there in his game it was it's I don't even like I just don't think it was prominent on the weekend like I, I yeah, yeah yeah because I think he's he's proved he can do it and, and I'm it did feel a very nervous game from a few, actually. Yeah. And sort of on that talking point, I'd say probably Joel Frazier was one that fell into that, looked a bit, not, I wouldn't say nervous because, you know, these boys are capable. They know what they're capable of. They just seemed a bit quieter, a bit out of their comfort zone at time because we've seen what Frazier can do at, at that, you know, at yeah. the Rebels. He's a very capable player, very forceful and attacking on the football. 
And then Michael Rudd, I mean, he yeah. was quieter, but then he did come into the game eventually. I think he kicked two in the end or kicked two and kicked yeah, one. He's, over, he's overhead marking. Like, we've seen it a little bit for yeah. Geelong, but I think that's as well as I've seen him play. So I think he was certainly one yeah. of the key forwards that boosted his stocks. Probably, yeah, second or third best on ground behind shift for me. Yeah. Um, I, I know I'm looking through this. Kobe James was good in that. Yeah, had moments. Second half. Yeah. I definitely had some moments. Lamont Lawal was one we were probably a little bit more disappointed with, I think. Yeah. That probably wasn't the classiest game he could have had, and he still needs a bit more polish on his disposal because, yeah, you know, the athletic traits are there where he can bounce and run off half back. He's got a good jump, but I, it just wasn't really happening for him a lot. Same with Tom Anastasopoulos. Frustrating for one that has loves watching his football. I, he had some good moments, but he he got unlucky in the sense that there was a really good moment in the first quarter where. He'd have, you know, had a bit of a handball over the top to a running forward, but it was out of bounds. And then he had a really good run round down tackle, which was called high. It's like he was doing the right things. Probably wasn't getting rewarded for him, rewarded for them. But I I think eventually his moment will come. I don't think it was a negative game by any means. It just wasn't probably exactly what he hoped for. Anyone else from your end? Uh, the other, the other one I'll just bring up is Angus Hasty. I thought he had a, a few, a few good, good glimpses in the game. Just took a couple of intercept marks, and yeah, provided that spark of halfback that we know he has. And he's one of, I think we've mentioned six or seven halfbacks that they played. Obviously, we've talked about Kobe Shuke, who played a lot on the wing, and there was also Oscar Ryan, Kobe James, Lamont Lawal, and yep. and some more that that I'm forgetting off the top of my head. George Stevens can obviously play off halfback. I just wonder whether Vic Country would be would be better off sending someone like an Archer Reed back. Uh, he wasn't quite able to to get into the game on the weekend, and and we know how prominent he is as a forward. But we've seen Vic Metro do it with Logan Morris sending him back, even though you know his upside is clearly as a forward. To then release those halfbacks to to play better footy. Angus Hasty is a one eighty nine centimetre player who we know provides that really good overlap. Was having to play a key position role because of how many halfbacks were playing on the weekend. So I just wonder if there is the capacity to play another tall. I know they are a little bit light on down there, so that those players can be released and and show you what they can do from an offensive point of view. Billy Wilson and Lamont Lowell, a couple of other halfbacks. Yeah, no, for sure. And we don't talk about SA too often, but um, Tyler Welsh, wow, what a player he yeah. looks like he'll he'll become in the next couple of years. I think he's is he next year's draft? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he kicked five, four or five, yeah. but he was so impressive for SA, just looked very comfortable out there. So as, he's as, one to watch. As did um as did Jack Deline and, and, and yeah. I was having a chat to you, um, Nathan, about the fact that I think how well he played on the weekend just highlighted how well Matty Carroll played last week for the Sandringham yeah. Dragons to just one disposal up to three-quarter time, so really shut him down well last week, but he was able to bounce back as all good players do. But um, unless there was anything else from your end on a big country perspective, we'll move on to the AFLW Academy game now. They played against the under-23 All-Stars, and the under-23 All-Stars got up by two points. The AFLW Academy launched a little bit of a late charge with Alicia Pisano getting a goal with three minutes remaining in the game, which enabled them, was probably more two minutes remaining in the game, which enabled them one final slingshot to try to get it forward and, and overrun them, but they weren't able to do that. Ultimately, it was a tense tussle all day, and 
the league went back and forth. But yeah, certainly from both teams, there were quite a few talent leaguers who played and and performed. We saw we saw Brooke Smith from from my point of view and Chloe Adams were probably a couple of impressed. But I'll I'll speak about them in a second. From from your point of view, Nathan, who do you like? Yeah, well, I wasn't overly impressed with the standard. I thought it was. I was expecting a bit better. I thought it was a good display, but I don't think it really showcased how good some of these girls were. I think a lot of girls had their moments, but there just wasn't. I don't think there really was a four-quarter performance from anyone, which was a bit disappointing, but there were still definitely some great aspects. Yeah, Michaela Williams and Brooke Smith were probably the two for me that didn't really have a bad touch. Michaela Williamson, just really good inwards vision with her kicking. Her composure with the ball was good. Good run and carry, which she's shown at Dandy on level, but she's yeah. her run and carry on the win is fantastic. And her kicking was hitting the targets when a lot of kicks were pretty inefficient on the day. She yeah. was hitting her targets. Um, Brooke Smith, really good burst speed out of the stoppage, really yeah. good tackle in front of, um, I think it was, yeah, the, the academy goal scores, a really good tackle to force a turnover when I think they were going into an open goal. So she was one, those two were probably the most efficient on the day. Um, yeah. I've got quite a few here, but I don't want to say everyone just because I think we want to go back and forth with it. But one I'll sort of segue to you as well, Lila Keck. Yeah. She was, um, yeah, she was fantastic. Her energy was on show. She brought out a celebration after the first goal that um, caught everyone's eye. Um, but she's just really lively around the stoppage, brought energy, burst speed, and, and she yeah, she got reward. I think she kicked one, two in the end. So she could have got, a, you know, two or three goals, but... She got on the scoreboard, Ben. What was, you know, your reflection of her game as well? Yeah, I thought she led really well, as in her, her leading patterns were really strong. So that was that was something that was noticeable even when she wasn't used. She was still providing that providing that that lead that had to be defended yeah. and that opened up her teammates at times. But certainly when the ball was in her vicinity, she was either applying that perceived pressure or opening up her teammates if she didn't have the her hands on the ball herself. And and she also played a little bit higher, got on the wing and was able to be that link player going inside 50 for the AFLW Academy. So I did like her game. I thought it built on the strong big country trial that she played. And, and um, yeah, so she was she was certainly one from an AFLW Academy point of view that was quite strong. Yeah, you mentioned Michaela Williamson. She was obviously really good. And Alicia Pisano, we know how good she is. She wouldn't have had a lot of disposal, but gee, every single time she had it, I reckon she probably had nine or ten touches, but every single touch she had, it felt like she was going to break the game open, kick a goal, or, or set up her opponent, set up her teammates. She kicked yeah. two in the end, including that late one where she won a one on one in the goal square, went back and coolly converted it. So, yeah, yeah uh, you've seen a lot of her, obviously, at the Eastern Ranges. And yeah, gee, she is going to be a talent at the next level. Well, she pushed up the ground as well, I noticed, and she yeah. was really clean with it. So, yeah. Yeah, just so versatile, and yeah, she took her opportunities as she always does. So yeah, she was another one that was really fantastic. A couple in the second half for me that I thought had some good moments. Uh, Tanisha Kikoak, we've seen really good glimpses of it. Tazia thought she was a lot quieter in the first half. It was more the second half. She had a few good moments, some just some good defensive pressure. Um, she nearly ran down. It was an academy player. I can't remember, I can't remember who it was, but nearly ran them down in the goal square to stop an open goal it was just a bit too late and they ran to an open goal but her, her pressure she knows she's instinctively a very strong player so she had some good moments candace belvin really yep. good contested good contest good in the air good contested mark 
some good flair in her game as well. She loves to take the game on. Yeah. And then Lara Hausegger, uh, probably a quieter game from her. Didn't really get to have her moment as as much, but she her kicking was on display. I thought she had some good kicks, and when she was getting the ball, they were hitting the target. So, yeah, those were another three for me. Yeah, I'll I'll mention a, a couple of defenders as as well. Bianca Lyon, I thought, was a game that could quite easily have flown under the radar, but I know there were people that were quite pleased with what she showed. Probably her best game of the season playing in defence. She's been thrown around positionally at the Dandenong Stingrays, but has settled in the last few weeks behind the ball. And she was able to shut out her opponent and, yeah, was a threat aerially. We know how tall she is, and she was able to use that to her advantage. So... I think she she looks really comfortable down there now, and and it was good to see her be able to shut down an opponent of the ilk that she did. Jess Vukic competed well in the ruck as well. Um, her first match back from injury, and she was able to be quite prominent. We know she's obviously a really highly regarded prospect, and she was another one that that also played in defence. And and Ava Campbell from the Eastern Rangers, a teammate of Vukic's, she provided overlap and rebound. We know her kick clears the defensive area really well and there were a few times where she was sort of on the last line or thereabouts and, and her calmness proved a really important asset. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, that with the last one, I guess not to repeat what we've said, but Ava Campbell was probably the other one that had a pretty yep. good game. Like, it was it showed what she's capable of. Her rebounding out of defensive 50 was really good. She'd get in the right position. Her kicking probably let her down. Wasn't as effective with her kicking. Um, but showing she knows how to get herself in positions and her kicking is not always something that lets her down. So I think it was probably a one-off more than anything. Yeah. Um, and then just good ball use by hand in the second half, more notably, um, was using it well and, and allowing transition down the ground. So, yeah, she was probably the last one for me. You know, Chloe Adams was one as well. I had yeah. Ava Jordan, Georgia Clark, Lily Jordan, all others that I just noted. But, um, yeah, that, that, that was probably my recap and... It was all good performances. I don't think there was anyone that really had a shocker of a game. Everyone showed their glimpses, and that's probably was the main thing that but needed to come out of it. That's what you want, yeah. I think I think just to just to finish off on that, I think we've both referenced Chloe Adams, but just to go into yeah. a little bit more depth on her game, I think she started really strongly. She would have had a few clearances in the first quarter, and, and she applied pressure when she didn't have her hands no. on it. She was tenacious, I, I thought, and there were a few times where she was really good overhead then took the lateral kick to open up her, her teammates um, for forward thrusts. But, yeah, she's she's just really competitive, a bullet a gate in a contest, and, yeah, applied pressure when she didn't have the footy. So thought it was a really impressive game from her. We know the Geelong Falcons, perhaps she's overshadowed to some degree by Sarah Howley, who gets 35 to 40 every week. But, yeah, this was certainly a moment um, to, to shine, and she certainly took it with both hands. And Ava Jordan probably provided yeah. up the other end to what Lila Keck did for her team. But, yeah, to move on to the to the Talent League Round 10 girls, we saw four games. Northern took on Calder in a Friday night clash and got up 7-6-48 to Calder 3-3-21. Olivia Jessa kicked three goals. She's a double bottom major so good to see the the double bottom majors shining uh there's so many of them and she's she's another one that's showing how strong that crop is going to be zoe hargraves had a strong season and continued that with 27 disposals and eight tackles and and speaking of pressure winnie buckley 14 tackles a, a bottom major who there isn't there isn't a whole lot of her and and i thought she was perhaps a little bit unlucky not to get an invite to the big country or the big metro trial games rather but, um, yeah, she, she's played some really good footy for Northern, both 
both this year and last and 23 disposals on the night for um, for for the Knights. I know you were at the double header. It was a blowy day on Saturday, I think, at all footy around the around the city or around the state. But yeah, in particular at Warraree Park where Gippsland took on Tasmania and Eastern took on Oakley. We'll start with the Gippsland and Tasmania game. Gippsland going down two five seventeen to Tassie three eleven twenty nine. I know we we're both intrigued about which way this one would go. Probably two very evenly matched teams, but Tassie just proving a little bit too strong. Nathan, who who performed, and what did you make of that game? Yeah, well, like you said, it was a uh, very windy. It was yeah. possibly the worst wind all season. It was yeah. no fun to be outside watching that game. It was. Um, full-on win, but I don't know, the scoreline didn't, I don't think reflected, like it was a close game, I don't think Tassie were much more dominant, it was pretty 50-50, but Tassie were just much more clinical, Gibson just couldn't hit the scoreboard when it went in, but they probably had, a, I would guess, pretty close to equal inside 50s each, Yeah. Um, but Tassie, yeah, they just converted at the end of the day, and they held a bit of a lead throughout the whole game, that Gibson couldn't really edge back, so... You know, Tassie got up in that, but some impressive. Um, there were four, five, five players that impressed me yeah. that I just want to talk about. Jasmine Soden from the Gippsland Power, uh, top disposal getter on the day with 30 touches. Uh, really good running down the wing, great pressure around the contest, and her positioning as well was really good. When the when Tassie did rebound out of defensive 50, she was always holding her width and she was there to get the ball back. Um, she was 0-4 on the day from um, scoring, so. Could have been an absolutely superb day for her, but still a really impressive performance. 11 tackles, 4 rebound 50s and 4 inside 50s. So a complete performance for her, probably were the best on ground. Were they difficult shots? Now, just on just on just so nothing really impressive start to the season to get a big country invite. I don't think that was necessarily on her radar at the start of the season. But to do that and whether she makes the final squad or not is a separate conversation. But good commitment from her. But yeah, those four shots, could she have passed them off? Were they close range? Were they bad misses uh, a lot of them were in open play and okay. well 311 and 25 what what's that five five sixteen in total yeah. it was not yeah. um i think two of tazzy's goals were sort of running into open to an open goal yeah. like it wasn't yeah even in the oakley game as well it wasn't very yeah. set shot based but um yeah that was look could have gone either way but it was she was definitely the most impressive ash centra another name we've talked about quite a quite a bit on this podcast, was really good in uh, in the back line, good defensive presence, really good, oh, sorry, good composure and just really good burst speed out of the centre stoppage as well when she'd move into yep. the midfield, um, took a few good contested marks and ended up with 20 touches. Um, yep. For now moving to Tassie, Harriet Binley was definitely the most impressive. One that stood out from the start and she maintained that throughout the whole game, really good in defence. It was, uh, she had some pretty good, de- like, very good composure exit in defensive 50, especially with the wind. The kicks out of it weren't the easiest. It yeah. would sort of come back a little bit, as you could imagine, the ball. But she was hitting her targets as well and took some good intercept marks, 12, 25 touches in the end, seven rebound 50s and seven inside 50s. And, and one I, as well. That sorry. Just just on Harriet Bingley, and I think you mentioned that there was a little bit of magnet throwing from the Tassie Devils coaching staff and mid forward who they're really high on and they think she's got a lot of attributes that will lend themselves well to that role she's a double bottom major come in and performed quite well against the dragons a couple of weeks ago in that role but yeah good to see them giving her some positional versatility and and she's certainly grabbing it with both hands but um yeah who else yeah. from a 
perspective if you like. Well, uh, just one as well, similar to Harriet Binley was Mackenzie Williams that played very similar roles and that ended up with very similar stats, actually the exact same seven rebounds and uh, seven inside 50s, weirdly. So um, both played very similar and good games. So I thought she was worth a mention. Meg Harrison um, was one that Jodie was really impressed with around the the quarter time huddle, that she was really good power out of the stoppage, great entry kicks to leading forwards, 17 touches, two inside 50s, three rebound 50s. And then Ava Reid is one that stood out the first time I saw her when we went to Arden Street. Um, A really crafty forward and she's not, the biggest she's like pretty lean for a forward and she really knows how to get in the right spot at the right time um and just capitalize she was two goals three behinds but that's you know two goals out of three for tassie so yeah she was the most effective for them on the day moved to oakley and eastern disappointingly not the game that it probably would have been without this aflw academy game yeah so it was both teams were missing a lot and like Oakley won by 31 points, but it, you know, Eastern were in it. There was, it yep. was more the depth. Oakley had the depth. Eastern didn't. The talent yep. was there for both teams, but, you know, Oakley had all their bottom ages who are arguably, arguably nearly yep. even better than the top ages this year. They're yep. that, that talented. So, um, yeah, it was, Oakley were just more effective in the end and were just too strong for Eastern. Some players to, to mention Sienna Talleridi for the Oakley Chargers, uh, really strong in the contest and just composed with her defensive 50 exits. It was a very, not a scrappy game, but the ball was at ground a lot. I think the yep. most tackles are, who we saw 17 tackles was the most. Yeah. So it was like, that was normal for this game, that, that yep. there was a lot of players that had probably above, I'd say, eight or nine tackles. Um uh, she had 27 disposals, three inside 50s, four rebound 50s. Sarah Pousty backing up her strong Metro game in the trials. Great positioning and just her kicking was fantastic. Probably the best on the ground in the end in that wind. Yep. The wind didn't really favour either end, but it was sort of going across the ground. But she was still hitting the targets really well and her tackling pressure was up there. Uh, she was on 12 tackles. So, yeah, it was one of those games where a lot of... A lot of tackles were laid, and it was pretty normal for a lot of players to be up there with their tackles and 21 touches. From an Eastern perspective, Hayley McLaughlin played pretty well again, but another one that has still been progressing really well is Georgia Stubbs. Great burst speed out of the contest. Inside defensive 50 was using the ball really well, I thought, and she's shown that in consecutive games now, so it's it's definitely showing her progress, and Nothing to fault with her game. 17 touches, 17 touches, 13 tackles, three rebound 50s. And then the final game of the round, Weston and Sandringham. We thought it would be a bit closer. I mean, personally, I thought Sandy would, you know, they'd start the string on some wins, which looks like they are. But, yeah, they dominated this game. Yeah. 12-5-77 to Weston, 1-4-10. Sophie Mackay had a terrific Metro trial game. Yep. And we know what she's capable of. She'll be in next year's draft as father-daughter prospect. 28 touches, three goals, eight inside 50s. A very complete game for her. Ruby Dale, uh, Ruckman for the Sandy Dragons. She's really needed to go forward and make an impact. And that's probably was, has been the next element of her game. Definitely did that. Two goals, 17 hitouts, doing it you know, up forward and then making an impact in the ruck as well. And then Kira Galaminda. 
She's a terrific player, two goals, four tackles, really quick, speedy forward who showed a lot of glimpses in the under-16s games last year, and she's definitely improving her game. She's fantastic to watch. Western perspective, not as good a day for them, but Sierra Greaves has continued to show her good form, 23 touches, six tackles, five inside 50s, two rebound 50s, and she was 0-2 zero, zero from, um, from her scoring shots, so could have hit the scoreboard as well. So that's the girls' games. Quickly recap the ladder and then go into our tips. Not many changes for the girls' ladders, really. Yeah. Oakley get a one-game gap now, so they are ahead by one game. Eastern and Northern on in second and third. Now, it's actually quite interesting for Calder and Sandy. I said this to you pre-show that Sandy do need a lot to go right for them to get into the top four for the Metro Conference. But Sandy played Gippy this week, which, spoiler for the tips, probably expect them to win it. Um, Calder play Eastern, which you'd expect Eastern to win it. And then that would mean there's one game separating and those two teams meet next week. So definitely a bit of a – it does spice things up a little bit. And then in the country conference, only one change is that Tassie leapfrog dandin on um, by one game, but I'm not too sure if there's a game in hand there. But – but now that's how it stands. So tipping results, you had a much better week. Yeah, I think you got three to one. So okay. you're you're ahead by five now. It's a comfortable yep. lead. I don't know if I can get that back. We'll, we'll see about it. But moves us to our tips. So let's move to the round eleven tips for the boys. We'll start with on the Saturday we have GWV and Dandenong at Mars Stadium. This will be a pretty close game. We'll be interested to see what sides do line up in the end. Hmm. I'll I'll back GWV. And I'm going to stick with Dandenong. I think on talent, they should get it done. And then Eastern and Calder at Box Hill City Oval. I would say Eastern do need a, do need a bounce back after a pretty disappointing performance against the Western Jets. Calder in some good form. A yeah, tough one to pick. It is a tough one to pick based on what I saw them do against Western. I thought they'd be a lot more competitive, but I think the likes of Caleb Windsor and, and Cam Nyko have played some. I think Metro Footy will be looking to lead their side to a victory. Well, I'll I'll go against and I'll say Calder just to yeah. have one of each, and then Murray take on the Western Jets in Wangaratta. Um, Murray have been in some good form. They've definitely come back after this community break and shown they're still capable of competing against the best. So I will back Murray in this one, even though Weston had a very convincing performance a few weeks and ago. I, and I've made no secret of the fact I'm a fan of Logan Morris. We've seen him playing defence with a Vic Metro. I'd love to see him go forward and kick four or five and command a spot in that Vic Metro forward line. So I'll go Weston and Keaton, Matt Fire Forbes. Hopefully he performs well as well. Keep an eye on our channels for his feature um, this week. And then on the Sunday, we have Bendigo and Northern Knights in Bendigo. This will be a pretty close game, I think. Pretty even, evenly matched these two teams. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll, I mean, I, I've liked when I've watched Northern. I think the way they play is really good, but I'm also big on Bendigo. Uh, I'll, I'll go, I'll still stick with Northern based off what I've seen. And I'll go with the Pioneers. Gippsland and Sandringham in Morwell. Oh, tough, tough to pick because we know Sandy aren't full strength and it's a quite a different team. Um, uh, I'll say Gippsland. It's tough to travel 
and yeah. you know, play well. I mean, I'd love to see Will Brown uh, leave his side and play real skipper's performance, but I think Dippy will be too strong, just too undermanned, the Dragons. And then the final game of the round, Tasmania and Geelong in Tasmania. I st- yeah, same, same with a Gippy type of game. I think it's hard to travel and, you know, win. It's especially, it's not a road trip, it's on the plane. So I think it will be a very competitive game, but I'll, I'll, I'll say Tasmania. Yeah, and I'll agree with that. And then the girls' tips for round 11. So there's a bit of a change. One, one's on – oh, no, they're both on round 11. East, Eastern and Calder. Eastern for me. Yep, me too. Murray and Western. Well, they're actually, this is two teams who haven't won a game yet. These yep. are the last two teams not to win a game. So it's actually a very big game in that sense. I think Western probably just have a bit more talent. Yeah, and it'd be great to see Sierra Groves get involved a bit more offensively with her with her team. We we see it at Sora do it at the Vic Country trials, but she's had to do a lot of defensive grunt work with yeah. Western Jet struggling. So I'll say Western with her leading the victory. GWV and Dandenong. Dandenong probably just a bit too strong in this one. Yeah, talent and depth. Bendigo and Oakley on the Sunday. Um, Oakley, yeah, I mean their talent, they run very deep. Bendigo, we know they've got they've definitely got some great glimpses in that team, but yeah, it more comes down to depth than I'd I'd say Oakley. Yeah, likewise. And then Gippsland and Sandringham. Uh, Sandy are in hot form. Uh, and I said this last week, I don't think you're gonna stop them for a while when they get on good form. It was just confidence that they needed and now they have it. So yeah, Sandy in this one. And I'll tip an upset. I'll say the power. I think that they've got a little bit of form behind them, despite, yeah, I guess I didn't watch them on the weekend, but I just have liked what I've seen from them since the community break. And then to round off round 11, Tasmania and Geelong. The Falcons, yeah, this this might be closer than expected, um, but uh, Tassie probably need to find a bit of form, even though they've won. I think they've sort of lost their best they had at the start of the season, which I think will come back eventually, but I'll say Geelong in this one. Top of the table clash in the Vic Country Conference, I'll say yes. um, to be led by Georgia Clark, the AFLW Academy yeah. girl. Yeah, so that rounds that rounds up both, well, the podcast, round 11 for the tips. Bit of a shorter podcast, even though we still talk for a while, but it was uh, not as not as many talking points. Next week will be solely talent league for the first time in a while. It feels like we haven't had a just a full talent league podcast. So, yeah, obviously yeah, a lot of those games are boys and girls. So there'll be a top ten back next week. As uh, Jonty mentioned, stay tuned on our socials tomorrow night. If you're listening to this on a Wednesday, Thursday night. Big feature out, and if you haven't caught the feature Jonty did with Jake Smith, make sure to check it out. Um, it is very well done. It's a very good insight to a player who got unlucky to miss the Metro side, but is just has come back and performed really well. So great feature to go watch on there. Um, and, and as usual, keep track on the socials for more content as well. So thank you all for watching. Leave us a comment in the comments if you are wanting to leave some feedback and until then we will see you in the next episode.